Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shiur. The Nishmas in memory of Shimon ben Yitzchok and Mashabas Yitzchok. We are up to an auspicious date as every day in Kislev. Keeps us on our toes, Kislev. It's always a month of joy and of a lot of fabrengens, a lot of Hasidic gatherings. The month of Kislev. We now embarked, we've now reached Yudalid Kislev, the 14th day of Kislev. And as Chassidim would say, Zayoyim Tchilas Masecha. This is where our lives started. Literally speaking, this is the day, the anniversary of the Rebbe and the Rebetzin. Talk, talk about the wedding and talk about the guests and talk about everything that went on over there. It's there's so many places you can read about it. No reason for me to take up time of terror to talk about that. But to talk about an end result. An end result being that because the Rebbe married Friedrich Rebbe's daughter Although he wasn't the only son-in-law, the Rebbe was groomed from birth, from actually being in his mother's womb. There were strict instructions sent to his mother from the Rebbe Rashab still, as they were well aware of the neshama that had come down into the world. Therefore, the day that the Rebbe married the Friedrich Rebbe's daughter, although he was, as hard as he tried to be incognito, he wasn't very successful. Many, many people knew of and about him. And there are tons of stories of prior to the, prior to marriage even, as a little child, eight years old, jumping into lake or river, whatever it was, to save somebody drowning, save another child drowning. The Rebbe's father, Ablevik, was a tremendous, was known as a Kabbalist, he knew tremendous amounts of Kabbalah. He had actually, what the safe we have, we have merit now to have Tikkuni Azair from Ablevik, different footnotes, etc., about Zayar, from Zayar, about in the Zayar. Which, as we've told Chafav about how his wife, Abzinchana, when he was exiled and he didn't have anything to write with, she made the ink and the quills so that he would write. And since he didn't have paper, he had his Sifre Zaya and he wrote in the margins of the Sefer. 
So much so that today we have full svarim of those margins. So needless to say that the, the child of such a marriage was everybody knew was a prodigy. Rebbe was a very famous mathematician and many math professors, non-Jewish ones even, came to him to discuss mathematical equations and the famous story of the professor that came one night, late at night with an equation and they were standing and discussing it back and forth and the Rebbe, a little boy, was up on the steps listening to this and then all of a sudden as they were talking the Rebbe came down and gave his father a piece of paper. His father was a little bit embarrassed, his old child disturbing a meeting with an important professor like this. He was the rabbi of the city. But everybody respected, nobody knew who he was. He didn't rebuke the child, but he simply put the paper in his pocket. and finish his conversation. When the professor left, Ablavik put his hand in his pocket and realized, ooh, he had a piece of paper here. This was be what his little son gave him. He took out the paper and he un- unwrapped it or unfolded it and he had the entire answer to the equation that they were discussing. So needless to say, that the Rebbe's greatness was recognized well, well before he married the Friedrich Rebbe's daughter. And after the passing of the Friedrich Rebbe, the Rebbe didn't immediately take on the mantle either until a year later. And Rabbi Shmayo Gerari was also a son-in-law, also a man of stature, bowed out and said, no, this belongs to him. Figured only had girls, he didn't have any boys. And as we see, as we know, as we learn today, it was obviously no more worthy successor to the Alta Rebbe than the Rebbe. And I say the Alta Rebbe, not the Friedrich Rebbe. The Alta Rebbe being the first Chabad Rebbe, his son the Mittler Rebbe, son-in-law the Tzamech Tzedek, his son-in-law the Marash, his son the Marash, his son the Rashab, his son the Friedrich Rebbe, the Rayatz, and the Rebbe. All these are one Neshama Klolis. All the Rabbeim throughout the generations are one general Neshama. And therefore, when you say successor of, it's not only successor of the Friedrich Rebbe, but successor of the Alter Rebbe, as they go from one to the next. So therefore, today, Yudal Kislev, as tonight would be Yudal Kislev, is a Yom is a holiday. 
and a, more, a greater holiday than most that we can think of. Therefore, as Chassidim, we celebrate, and as Chassidim, it would be a day that we take on resolution, something that would be a wedding anniversary gift to the Rabbeim. Not ironically, because there's no irony in Teda. This Shabbos is Pashas Vayishlach. And he sent Vayishlach Yaakov. Yaakov sent. Yaakov sent messages. But the, the Pasuk doesn't say he sent messages. Shluchim. Pasuk says he sent Malochim. He sent angels. Do we know what an angel is? Do we understand what an angel is? It's explained that everyone has to pray, even the angels. However, an angel doesn't pray the same way we do. Hasidus explains that when a Yid, a Jew, davens, and they say, Shema Yisrael, Hear, O Israel, God is our God, God is one. Shema Yisrael is one of the most powerful tefillahs of the Yid. Most powerful tefillahs of a nation. And therefore, We say the words Shema Yisrael Hashem Elekeinu. Which means we mention God's name after two words Shema Yisrael Hashem. Saying only two words Shema Yisrael and we say Hashem's name. Now, I've explained before, I've spoken before about Chassidus, the Maimarim, that explained when Shema Yisrael was actually said. One explanation has to do with Yaakov Avinu, actually, as his children reaffirmed to him that they 
were going to follow his ways, they tell him, Shema Yisrael, here our father Yisrael, which he gets the name this week in the Pasha, after fighting with Esau's angel, he receives the name Yisrael instead of Yaakov. Therefore his children say to him, Shema Yisrael, here our father Yisrael, Hashem, the God that you talk about, Alekeinu is our God. Hashem, the God you talk of, you teach us about, Echad is one and only to us. Very, very powerful. Very powerful prayer. The angels in turn, when they go to pray and praise God, they say, Kaddish, 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 Hashem, Tzivakais, Malaychal, They say the word Kaddish, hallowed, three times, holy, three times, and then they say Hashem's name. For an angel is not as strong and close to God as a person, as a Jew, and therefore, whereas the Jew only needs to say two words before mentioning God's name, the angel needs to say three. I need a copy on my stationery. Did you hear me? So Yishma Vayishlach Yaakov Malochim. Yaakov sends out angels. We'll discuss exactly what kind of malochim, what kind of angels were they, they were. What right did he have to send angels? What power did he have to send angels? Were they actually angels? Or maybe they were just messengers? And instead of using the word shluchim, they used malachim. Yaakov sending Malachim is a life lesson to us as well. Everything in the Torah is a life lesson. So although the Pasha is a hundred shin, a hundred and I think fifty sukkim or something, it's quite a long Pasha. We don't have to go past the first two words to learn a lesson. Three words. Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim. A Jew represents Yaakov. Every Jew is represented by Yaakov because Yaakov was the forefather that bore the Shvatim, the Shifta Yudke. And therefore, the Vayishlach, the fact that they were sent out. But who did he send them to? To of his brother. And Rashi, as we said, translates, because Rashi is the champion of the Benchamesh, the Mikra, the five-year-old learning Torah. Rashi says, Malachim means what? Malachim, Mamish, real, live angels. Not messengers. 
But from up above, he brought down angels and he sent them on a mission. Why did Yaakov feel it's so important to trouble angels and not and it was not good enough just to send a physical human being messenger? And we also know that Yaakov was a learned person. And he knew that it says, Ein malach echad An angel does not do two missions. So he knew, therefore, if he was going to use these angels as messengers to Esav, this is all they're going to be able to do. And they won't be able to fulfill the mission from God. Where did he take, what does he derive from, what thought pattern was he deriving, how the importance of this, that is so important, that he could use actual live angels. Chassidus explains, what was the essence of this actual shlichus? Yaakov knew that the reason for creation is to separate good from bad. To return and to purify and elevate the sparks of Kedusha that fell down, the sparks of holiness that fell down from the most mundane places. And return them to their source, their godly source. That's why he goes down to Charan. Charan being the lowest of the world, Charan Av Shalelam. For what? In order to redeem from there all the holy sparks that had gotten consumed. He also knows That just doing Aveda is not enough to reach the ultimate goal. Just doing a service is not enough. He needed also Ace of his brother to fulfill his part. Ace was known as Ish Sode, a man of the field. And therefore, he had, a, had an obligation to go out into the field and cultivate all those holy sparks that fell to the fields. So he too was blessed with the power to be able to purify and to rectify and to fix all these sparks. So in the entire world, not only Jews but also B'nai Esav, children that are non-Jewish, need to reach their full potential in order to bring about the Geula. After 20 years in Choron, Yaakov finished his service. And he himself was prepared for Geula. 
And he was hoping, anticipating that in the interim, Esav as well put himself together and he too was ready for the Gula. You have to remember that they did not have a family plan and therefore they could not text each other throughout these 20 years and he didn't know where he was up to. He didn't see what his statuses were showing. He was probably blocked. And therefore, he only could hope that Esav pulled himself together and was ready for the redemption. So by sending these angels, it also in, implies, when he says, li Yaakov says, I have a donkey and an ox. And he was ready to give this to Esav. What was he giving here? Chazal tell us, Chamer is Melech HaMashiach. As we know, Ani, V'reichav al Chamer, he's a poor man and riding on a donkey. So this is the thing that he was representing and showing him, he has a Sherva Chamer. There are other explanations to it, he was referring to Yasef and to Yisachar, etc., so for such an important task, for such an important mission to bring the Geula, which is the reason for the creation of the world, Yaakov sent actual, the most respectable and honorable messengers, angels from heaven. And this is no problem for them. They were very happy to do it. The opposite. This is tremendous merit since they were going to hope now to bring together Yaakov and Esau and cause the world over to do tshuva and bring Mashiach. Unfortunately, the angels return. Although Yaakov, you're ready for Geula, Esau has not yet done what he had to and the Pesach dictates that the angels, the Malachim, answer him. Banu Elachicha, we came to your brother. They tell him. As we arrived by Esav, he's still Esav. He remained Esav. He did not depart from his bad, evil ways. Yaakov understood, oh no. It's a long path to the Geula still. It's going to be a long night. And he says to Esav, Ani esnalo li'iti. Also, the passion talking about how he himself, the dedications, devotions. So this was therefore then, in the time of Yaakov and Esav. However, today, after Am Yisrael has worked and toiled through so many generations, and especially through the time of exile, where Jews are spread throughout the world like peanut butter. And especially after it's very re- the concept of Chassidus was redeemed to the world, the study of Chassidus, which is a preparation for Geula. Now the world is entirely ready for Geula entirely ready for the redemption. 
And not only that, but in very, very short time, it will reveal itself in this physical world. Take you from Yad Namish. The angels were summoned by Yaakov. According to commentaries, these were actually angels that he created through his mitzvahs. They were summoned by Yaakov and he sent them on a mission. Chal Yisrael, the Jewish nation today, knows, and it's interesting to note, whether they appreciate it, they don't appreciate it, they like it, they don't like it, it's the shluchim. The shluchim that are spread throughout the world. The shluchim of the Yaakov Avinu of our generation, of the Rebbe. In every nook and cranny. But unbelievable what a nook and a cranny looks like. But yet they are out there persevering through hardships, for education for their children is hard. Mm-hmm. Financially, they bite more than once a bullet. Socially, emotionally, some of them don't have a means to down with on a daily basis three times a day. Some of them, in order to get kosher food, to secure some kosher food, have to go through who knows what. But there's no Everybody knows no such thing as a free lunch. And yet, they go out there. Mm-hmm. They have no, they're not looking over their shoulders, they're not second guessing. They don't second guess. They live the life that the Rebbe has put them for. Back in communist Russia, when the Friedrich Rebbe sent Shluchim some places, it was beyond dangerous. They were told to be malamdim, they were to do whatever they were told to do. Many of them, unfortunately, were caught and killed. And the Friedrich Rebbe did not back down, but he immediately resent the replacement. Because this is how Friedrich Rebbe ruled and lived. Unfortunately, we've heard of more than one case of the Yidin of Shluchim that are going through hardships of the worst kind. And the most famous, of course, is what they had in Mumbai, where 
Gabi and Rivki, Khmaral Itzlan, Shemirish Damam. But you know something? It doesn't have to be Auckland, New Zealand, it doesn't have to be Tasmania thrown off in a in a rock of, of Gibraltar or something. It could be in the closest in the most local places. Here in Brooklyn, New York. There are many Shluchim in Brooklyn, New York anyway. But a person could be given a shlichus and they need to totally, totally put their lives into it. They need to totally devote and dedicate. Sometimes we get a mission. And we say, eh, it's not for me. Too much for me. I can't bite off more than I can chew. I can't really get into that. Not for me. But sometimes we get a mission. And we say, it's not sometimes, sometimes, it's some people. And we get a mission that we have no idea how it landed in our direction. But we devote, dedicate, and give ourselves over blood, sweat, and tears. Unconditionally. With no gain from it and we just selflessly give of ourselves in a way that we never imagined we could in a way that we never dreamt we could we just do it we throw ourselves into it And we go on and we persevere and we follow through. And we follow through from the soup to nuts. We leave no stone unturned. It's scary. It's scary because nobody wants to bite off more than they can chew, of course, like we said. But also...
it's scary. Because you don't want to fail on the mission, of course. It's scary. Because being a mission, being on a mission, receiving this mission, you don't want the Chasham let down the person that you were sent to be with, or to help, or to support. You don't want to miss a beat. And sometimes you wonder, is it over my head? Am I by, am I going? Am I in places where I don't belong? But if you mean it with a true, true emes, you mean it thoroughly, through and through, unconditionally. You develop a connection. You develop a love. And the person is not has shown a subject, not has shown a client or another number. Person becomes like they're your own. You take them under your wing and you look to give them everything that they've missed or they miss or that they're lacking. You fill all their whole all the voids but obviously coming from left field as we say in America there are times where the person will have their doubts will second guess will wonder try to understand try to grasp what's going on and why is this person and who is this person Therefore the Torah tells us, Vayishlach Yaakov Malochim, Yaakov sent out angels, we need to act like angels. When I can become angels, we need to eat, we need to sleep, we need to drink. But, we are like angels in that we ask no questions. If this is the mission that was given to us, we embark we devote, we dedicate, we don't miss a heartbeat. And if we really mean it, it becomes Kemayim upon him upon him. One heart feels another. And therefore, just as you connect to the person you are sent to, the person you are sent to connects with you. as long as you keep sincere and Atadas HaKadosh in the purest ways people will see the most the strongest, greatest successes back to the conversation between Yaakov and Esav Rashi explains always Pshuta Yishal Mikra the simple explanation of the Pasuk Rashi does not look for Medrashim usually unless it's relevant to the Pshat. There's another commentary known as the Balaturim 
The Balaturim is very into gematrius, the number, numerical values of things, of words. But nonetheless, one of the things Yaakov tells Esav, Im Lovan Garti, I dwelled with Lovan. In order to, to appease Esav, what was he trying to say? You know very well, love is no great shake. But I put up and subjected, I was subjected to him for all these years. But Rashi takes the word garti and says, two explanations. I was a ger, a foreigner there. Because nobody, by love and nobody becomes anything important. You always remain a foreigner. They don't take anybody into their clan, to their circles. And then Rashi explains another thing. The word Garti, Gimel, Resh, Tof, Yud, is the same letters as Tof, Resh, Yud, Gimel, which is Taryag. 6.13 I lived with Lovan HaRosha, but I kept the 613 mitzvahs. We know that all the different things that are hidden within this word are always tied one, intertwined one with the other. So these two explanations and the actual second explanation of yeah, him keeping the 613 mitzvahs, how is that going to appease Asaph? Yaakov's journey to Lovan, down to Choron, the Charinafesh as we said before, was to redeem all the sparks of Kedusha that were hidden amongst him. And to prepare the world, to prepare the world for the Geula, the ultimate redemption. And therefore the concept of Yaakov literally crowned these missions and had great success. In the 20 years that he was in Kharan, that I was in Kharan, I merited and prepared, as we said before, the world for redemption. And now he's telling Esav, okay, the world is getting is ready. As we said, he wanted to know if Esav as well as well was ready. So Yaakov says, "Im Lovon Garti." Everything that has to do with Lovon, which is the most mundane things of the world, was a foreign item to me. I alienated myself from those behaviors. I found no place, I found no connection to all the behavior and action that went on there. And the main thing, Tayag Mitzvah Shamati, I kept the 613 mitzvahs, the Tayra and the mitzvahs, the world of Kedusha and Amunah.
Yaakov adds and implying, as we said before, Vahili Sheva Chamer. Chamer is Chamer Shemashiach, Anirechel Chamer. Yaakov says, from where to Esav, I have already the Chamer of Mashiach, and I'm ready to go. However, unfortunately, the angels returned and said, Banalachich al Esav. Although he says he's your brother, he's still Esav. And he's ready like you are for the redemption. But he's still Esav. What do we see? What do we learn? What do we derive in our Aveda from these words? A Jew needs to constantly be prepared for the Geula. Even though the world around him is not very pure, the world around him does not look very elevated. His point of view needs to be preparing himself for the Geula. And this is done through the person that sees the entire world as a strange entity. I'm part of it, I live in it, but it's not me. I look at society, that's not my style. I'm just, I'm a JPT. Just passing through. I'm a Ger and a Zor. I'm a total, like a convert and stranger to all these physicalities of the world. My true place is with Tera and Mitzvahs. They tell about the Mazit Shemagid. Before he redeemed himself, he dwelled in tremendous, tremendous poverty. When they asked him, how do you live, how do you survive in these conditions? He answered, a person that's on the road suffices with the most minimal entities. Not entities. Um, Enemities. Amenities. That's the word, amenities. Thank you. We are in journey constantly in this world. My house is totally different. The physical mundane world is only just passing through. Mm-hmm. The mainstay issues, life, is Teda and Mitzvah. With this approach, he took the Hachana, his preparation, for the Geula Amitis Vashtema, for the ultimate redemption. And Yaakov makes a declaration. Katayti Mikhail Hachasad. Sorry, 
I want to just put in one more point that I've said many times before. The Jacob says, Hatsileni no, save me please. Miyad Ochi from the hand of my brother. Miyad Esav from the hand of Esav. According to that, it sounds like there's two different people. One is his brother, one is Esav. What is Jacob referring to here? But rather, Yaakov says, I want nothing to do with this fellow. Hatsileni na save me. Miyad Ochi, if he comes to me like my brother, and says to me, oh, my dear brother Yaakov, and tells my children, my dear nephews and nieces, I don't want that. I don't want him related to me. I don't want my children to know he's related. And I don't want him acting as an influence of an uncle. That's the enemy of Esau. If he comes to me as Esau, wants to kill and destroy myself and my children, I don't want that either. So therefore, Yaakov prays and asks for Savior, redemption of either or, whether he comes as Yaakov, whether he comes as his brother, or whether he comes as the evil Esau. It is said that a person needs to be humble. And a person, although they're humble, needs to be somewhat showing that they are a person, that they are an entity. Tells us the Teda, a person needs to have an eighth of an eighth when it comes to this. A person's personality should be one-eighth of an eighth of what's called gaiva, haughtiness. What's the, how does it get, how does it derive a number eighth of an eighth? The eighth parsha of the Teda is Vayishlach, and the eighth posseg of Vayishlach starts Katointi. Katointi Mikolach Hasadim, I've been humbled. After meeting Yaakov, his meeting with Esav, Yaakov davens Takadosh Baruch Hu and says, "Katenti mikolach hasodim mikolames." Why? Ki b'makli avarti yaseyarde nazeh. I am humbled from all my kindness, etc. For I have passed over the Yarden, the Jordan River, with my staff. The word b'makli, the message tells us two explanations. One is, as I passed, I had nothing left to me. I owned nothing except for my staff. And the second is, I used my staff to split the yarding in order, I can, in order for me to cross it. However, in essence, these two explanations contradict. The first one talks about his poverty, and the second one shows his greatness, that it caused a miracle and split the Jordan River. And they're both on the same word, makli, my staff. 
There must be, therefore, a very deep connection between the two. To begin with, let us understand the real fear of Yaakov from Esav. And after all, Kodesh Baruch promised him that he would be with him. So when he comes to this guarantee, and he has this guarantee, there's no reason for him to fear any person. To this we answer, Yaakov thought, maybe, maybe, I sinned somewhat, somewhere. Because of that sin, I deserve death. But it doesn't make sense. Yaakov knew, since most of a life, most of the life of a person, for the most time, for the most of the person's life, person behaved and did not sin. He's not going to sin. He was majority of his years were over. Therefore. It is taken for granted that he would not sin. But we see the words of Yaakov, I have belittled myself. If he thought of himself and measured what level he's at, he would know how great he is and deserving of the kindness of God. But he didn't think of himself at all in that vein. And he had a tremendous humility, humbleness, and felt of himself as a nothing. And therefore he was worried that perhaps I did involve myself something wrong. Therefore, something lacking. This we see the essence of Yaakov, you know. It says, Mishpat Atasisa. Judgment, charity in Jacob and Yaakov, you've done. Most people beseech their requests from God as a tzedakah, as a charity. We don't anticipate that we deserve it. And therefore, the fact that God does it for us is a, a, a blessing plus. And I'm not worthy of accepting it. The righteous can ask from what their needs in the concept of mishpat of judgment, because they are pure, and they do everything right, and they have nothing to be concerned. Whereas Yaakov did both, Mishpat and Tzedakah, judgment and charity, and he combined them as one. He was capable to request and to beseech of God his, his salvation, even in a form of Mishpat of judgment. But nonetheless, he asks for it in a form of tzedakah, of charity. This complete entity comes through the combination of the two words, of two, the 
combination of the two explanations of the word Vimakli, my staff. From one side we see that he held himself in humble status, the lowest of any person. As the first explanation says, I had nothing, I was poverty stricken, and is all I owned. And the other side we see that he felt himself as the holiest of holy and deserved, therefore, the miracle which he performed of splitting of the Arden with his staff. So although we are so at a distance from the level of Avram of Yaakov Avinu, we still connect to these words. We still connect to this concept. Each Jew in the full essence of being Jewish the Gemara if you keep your score at home in Shabbos Samach Zayin Amaral of 67 side 1 says that Jews are considered Ben Melochim children of royalty therefore he has a right to demand of God of everything that he needs but still in all <coughs> sorry he needs to request these things not from different this type of vantage point that I deserve it, but rather it's a charity, and I'm thankful for everything I get. Through this, the Jews merit that all Tzachadish Baruch Hu gives to us in multitude his blessings not according only the way we deserve it, but in a much greater level, a much higher level. With our children, in our livelihood, in our life, our livelihood. And we ask they all be Bona, Chaya, Zena, and they should all be Revicha in a very broad way, in the broadest of ways that they should be lacking nothing and they totally nullify all the things that deter us and that disturb us from resting peacefully in this world. <coughs> Anything that disturbs us, any of our nightmares, any of our darknesses, any of our dark corners, our dark thoughts, should all be obliterated, should all be wiped away, and all the tears should be wiped and we should only feel the hug and the love of God, the kiss on our forehead. And we should merit this very Shabbos. The ultimate redemption. Shabbat Shalom to all and good yomtiv for Yedalid Kislev.